Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Listening to the three and D podcast, we're coming to you late on a Monday night following the uh, game four defeat. I thought for a moment, Ben, that uh, we were going to be able to say that we were playoff victory central over here at three and D podcast because we were came to you out uh, after a victory the last time. Um, but uh, that is not the case tonight. No, it looks like uh, the Grizzlies may have had. Uh... One final run in them, they did, but it, did, it, it just came up short. I mean, it's very similar to the uh, last few games. It felt like the Grizzlies had a little bit more. They, they kept getting close, getting close. Like they took a lead last game, but tonight, the, Mike Conley. Man. <laughs> Mike Conley took it out of us. Like that last run, it was Mike Conley the one that put the daggers in us. And those threes didn't touch anything. No. It's like he's been shooting a FedEx form his whole life. <laughs> the jaw had too many turnovers down the stretch. Um, some yeah. really boneheaded plays by him. Sped himself up, I think. Just, I mean, he's he's having to grow up. I mean, the whole team is. Um, but you, you would you're looking at this series and – Game two, game three, you're like, well, the Grizzlies didn't really play all that well. And you'd say they had a chance to win both those games. Um, and then here we are, game four, and they played good enough to win. Um, you had Jaron's best game. You had DeAnthony Melton's return. Um, yeah. Grayson played well on offense. But the guy who has carried you most of the season consistently has been pretty much ruled – irrelevant and Jonas Valanciunas like he is he's not been a factor the last two games yeah I don't know if it's I mean uh, game one he went right at Gobert game two you know he got into foul trouble real early and I don't know if they've that's pulled back on his aggressiveness but the thing is it's like if he's gonna be out there he might as well be as aggressive as he can because I mean if they're gonna switch Jaron out at the five I mean game three we saw Brandon Clark take Tillman's minutes and Tillman played in game one and two. We didn't see either of those guys tonight. So it looks like they're going with either Jonas or Jaron pretty much at the five. And if Jonas is out there, he has to be aggressive. Like he got uh, picked up a second foul late in the fourth. I mean, what's that? You know, I mean, 
it, he's got to be more aggressive. That's where they can get Gobert into foul trouble too. Because, I mean, the defensive player of the year, he couldn't stop those running floaters, but the, he wasn't coming out to try and get them. So that kept him out of foul trouble. So you need to get the ball down to Jonas and at least make Gobert work for it on the defensive end. Yeah. The, the refs, again, weren't great. Um, they weren't as one-sided as, as they felt like in some other games because there's there were some possessions where Jonas just got pinballed uh, down below the basket, and they called nothing. Um, but I, I don't know if it's a, they just didn't look for him the same um, or if he's just getting outworked on the glass. Or I, I think what I've noticed, though, is that Utah is doing a great job of – helping Rudy Gobert uh, rebound uh, over Valanciunas and, and taking that advantage away from us. Um, it, yeah. It's like if we could just find one more thing to put us over the top, like we're proving we can hang with this team, but we're not – we're just missing that one little thing. And, you know, it's been the bench, you know, the last two games. If, if the bench could give us something or, or Jaron, if Jaron could give us something – We've got it. Well, this game, Jaron gave you something. The bench gave you something, and it wasn't enough because your advantage all season in Valanciunas has now been taken away. Morant didn't shoot the ball um, as well, missed some free throws. Um, his his three-point stroke was off. Dylan didn't get the looks that he had been getting on offense. They took him away um, a little bit. He took himself out of rhythm by picking up two completely boneheaded fouls in a row in a matter of seconds. Um, back-to-back plays, yeah. offense, defense. Yeah, just and it just seemed like every time that the Grizzlies made a run, they they something happened, and whether it was their turnover or their bad shot, the Jazz came down and hit a three. Like I, if I see Royce O'Neal hit another three, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> lose my mind. And I was thinking, like when he hit. Was it game three where he just kept knocking him down? I was like, yeah, he made the first three in game one, then didn't make another shot. I'm like, okay, you know, I've seen this movie play out. And then he just kept hitting him. I'm like, what? Wait a second. I kind of felt like it's not their night. And the Grizzlies hung in there. I mean, even with Royce O'Neal knocking down a bunch of threes. And, I mean, Jonas has had problems picking up the pick and roll too. Like, they've had too many wide open threes. So, he's also hurting them that way. But – I don't know. I mean, you got the Jazz are showing why they are the the number one seed and had the best record in the NBA. And it's just frustrating because you feel like you put in so much energy to get it to within six and to get it within four, three, two, and then all of a sudden it's five again. Yep. And then it's eight. Yep. It's like it's the Spurs. It's the Spurs with Pop and Ginobili and Parker. And those guys where it feels like, you know, all of a sudden they go on many runs for you and you you look up and you're you're within two and then you look up and you're down ten. It's, it's it feels the same way. It's just so frustrating because you work so hard to get it down to a one possession game. And then quickly it's back to two, three possessions, four possessions, and you just can't get back in it. You can trade baskets to try and get that next gasp, get that next run, and then they just Hit you with the knockout punch like we saw with Conley with the daggers. It was Clarkson. It was Conley. It was 
I mean, it was Royce O'Neal. It was pretty much anybody, and it's just so frustrating. Yeah, so the Jazz shot 49% from three tonight, I believe. And then I, I saw, I think Matt Moore posted a stat that players that are not Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell are like 11 for 18 uh, from three, or and I think not Clarkson. So your role players, uh, Niang, Ingles, um, O'Neal, Bogey, like those guys are 11 for 18 from three. Like, come on. And it, you are a championship level team if your role players are performing on the road like they are right now. Because our role players were non existent in Utah and they're supposed to be great at home, which Melton and Grayson, you know, played better offensively. Um, so if if we take what we're seeing right now, and, it, and it's really hard, you know, to keep in mind perspective in the heat of a game like this, especially when you take the Grizzlies, like we should be winning this game. We could win this game. Like, the Grizzlies theoretically could be up 3-1 in this series based on the way they've been playing. Um, but now yeah. they're down 3-1, going back on the road with only one day of rest. Um, they're not going to quit. I don't think they're going to get blown out on the road in Utah. These guys – you know, have yet to be blown out by this Utah team. So I don't think that's going to happen. But to, to take the, – you got to take the next three. Like, you got to go 3-0 and if you're going to move on. Um, so, realistically, <laughs> that's probably not going to happen um, against this this one seed. What, what are you taking from what you've seen through this first four games of the playoffs for this young team? I mean, I like what I see. They are not – with young teams in the playoffs, we see it time and time again against veteran teams like this, you know, like I said, it's frustrating. You get, you, you work so hard to get back and you can just see young teams quit. I have not seen any quit in this Grizzlies team. I saw people a little bit on Twitter saying, you know, they're not giving as much effort and all this and that. I mean, they're giving all the effort they they got, you know, that they're doing what they can. They're trying to stay in there. They're trying to hang in. They're just waiting for a window of opportunity to try and get back in the game. That's huge. I mean, this this team, you can tell they realize that, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, not quite there yet, but they want to be there. They want to keep advancing. This is not about experience for them. This is about winning. They're not here for the playoff experience. They're here to win a championship right now. And you can see that when they go out and play because, you know, it, it's never – they don't look at the last play. They're always looking ahead to the next play. It's a short memory. That's what you need. And that's what a veteran team does. And they're actually playing ahead of the ahead of their years. At least that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I think while they're not in it for the experience, I think the experience is going to be really valuable. Um, I mean, you, you look at last year in the bubble. They, they lose a play-in game. Now they know what that's like. So they go and win two play-in games this year. Now they're in a tough series against the number one seed in the entire NBA, um, a, a great team, um, better than I thought. You know, Utah doesn't get a lot of love on national television. Um, they are better than I thought they were. They were. Um, I mean, you got a defensive player of the year candidate. We know what Mike Conley is. We know what Donovan Mitchell is. Two six-year of the men, you know, two six-men of the year um, candidates in the winter. Um, they just they're, – they're a good team. So, you you take your lumps this year. 
and and you learn like you did from the the Trailblazers playing in game the year before. You take that with you going into next year because I imagine the roster is going to look pretty similar um, next year with maybe the hope that you're getting something out of Justice Winslow um, next year. So the, these guys are going to see what it takes. They're going to see um, that Ja can't do it by himself. I mean, he's averaging 33 points a game heading in tonight, and that's 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 hard to sustain for somebody that's not a right. jump shooter who is who takes the the, the hits that he takes driving in, um, which he still isn't getting calls like he should. Um, but also, I think our our coaching staff is learning what it takes too. Like he. Jenkins is getting taken to school by Quinn Snyder in this series. And that's, that's a fact. Like the adjustments that Snyder is making on Jenkins, because who taught Taylor Jenkins, the same people that taught Quinn Snyder. Like, so they, they know each other's systems, but with the, the options and the talent and the experience that Quinn Snyder has, he is schooling Taylor Jenkins. And it, I found it interesting that, he chose tonight to shrink his his rotation a little bit down to nine. We didn't see Clark yeah. or Tillman. Um, we saw the four guard lineups, which haven't worked well for us. Jaron hasn't worked well at the five, but he did tonight. He he played well at the five tonight. You saw more rebounding effort. His drop coverage on defense was very good on the pick and roll. Um, it, it created uh, a little bit more difficult shots than when Valanciunas was in uh, drop coverage. Um, but Here's how I know that he still has a long way to go in figuring out these rotations. Why was Kyle Anderson not back in the game in the fourth quarter? I, he is – if you're not going to have Valanciunas in there because of his defensive liabilities, Kyle is your vet. And he's got to be in there to steady things when, when it's getting down to crunch time because freaking TNT gets on there with four minutes to go and said, hey, it was this point last game where the Grizzlies were down two and – they went on this, you know, huge run, 14 to 2 run yeah. to close it out. Like, what are you doing to stop that from happening again? Well, not having Kyle Anderson out there, I think, was a was a wrong choice. I mean, what do you think about Kyle not seeing the floor after he kind of helped spark the run and get back into it? I was surprised. I mean, I was looking out there and I was like looking at who all was on the court, and I'm like, okay, Melton, you know, he's playing well. And I'm like, Grayson. Uh, that's where it was kind of like he's played fine. But I think that you have to have Melton or Grayson out there. You can't have both of them. And I think Kyle Anderson need to be out there instead of both of those guys. And, you know, Grayson's been fine. I mean, it's been a bad couple games for the Grayson Allen shouldn't play crowd. But I don't think he necessarily need to be there in crunch time. And I don't know if that's something that, I mean, Jenkins just can't get over. That, you know, he, throw, he throws Grayson in any time that he feels uncomfortable, it feels like. Yeah, and, and I was and surprised. Grayson spent a, a little too much time on Mitchell one on one. I think even when Dylan had his four fouls, it's it's time to put him back on there and, and just play it out as it is. And obviously, Mitchell's going to hunt him and try to get those six fouls because you see what Mitchell does every time Dylan gets a foul. He counts them out. He lets people know. Right. Like, but I noticed a lot when the Grizzlies were on offense and Dylan either was close to the rim or anything. Dylan uh, Don Mitchell would run back. He didn't want anything to do with Dylan at times. He was doing what he could to get back on offense. For and Dylan, there were times where Dylan was jogging back. Already, you know, he's at the three point line. Dylan's crossing half court, so somebody's got to pick up Donovan Mitchell. Dylan's not hustling back there to get him. There were times that I saw that, and I'm like, 
Donovan, one, Donovan Mitchell doesn't want anything to do with Dylan, but two, Dylan has got to get back on defense. If he wants to hang his as defensive player, you know, wants to be in contention for defensive player of the year, whatever, he's got to get back. He's got to find his guy. He's got to be on his hip at all times. And there were times where I didn't see that. I mean, granted, one of the fouls, the one where Jenkins challenged, I think was a bad call. I, I, I understand the landing. Mitchell also kicked out his leg. So, you know, shooters are not allowed to do that either. So I guess it was kind of one of those, the call on the court is what they're going to stick with. Because if they would have called Mitchell for kicking out and Utah challenged it, I think maybe that it would have stuck with the foul on Mitchell. I just think it was kind of one of those situations where we can't really overturn it, but it could have gone either way. Yeah, so tell me if you see something different. I don't see the same defensive effort on Mitchell from Dylan as I saw on DeMar DeRozan, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, like – you you noticed Dylan in those games defensively, like holy crap, he is he is working hard uh, to to prevent this player from getting the ball. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's it's maybe it's not the game plan, or or he's t- I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't. And the game that Dylan got underneath all the Utah Jazz fans was game one, and Donovan Mitchell didn't play game one. So I don't know if it's just like he's. I don't know what the deal is with that, but yeah, it, the effort isn't necessarily there. I don't know if he's just, I mean, he's been in foul trouble all series. So I don't know if that's a reason why he can't he's been be in foul trouble all season. Well, okay. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I just, it kind of caught me off guard when I was watching it. And it's just, I don't know if he doesn't want anything to do with Donovan Mitchell, but the times it looked like Mitchell was trying to avoid him. And then other times, you know, he's counting out how many fouls he has. So, obviously, Brooks has something on Mitchell, but I, I he hasn't stopped him like he stopped other players. Yeah, and I, I think the part that sucked the most was Gobert having like 11 or so points in the third quarter. Like, yeah. I, I don't think anybody was expecting that adjustment, that, hey, we're going to feed Rudy. Um, I know when we were trying to get back into it, like you can see that Jenkins called a timeout, drew one up for Valanchunas um, when we were down one and he didn't hit. And then we come down, Jordan Clarkson hits a three. Um, but to to feed Rudy early and often in the third quarter was a was an unexpected adjustment, which is what you want as the opposing coach is to, to do something that they're not looking for. Um, just it's the same story we've seen all year, like, we score in the paint, but we give up threes. And when you do that, you're not going to win games because threes are worth more than twos. Simple as that. Yeah. It, well, what was funny was, I mean, you know, you talk about uh, Quinn Snyder and Taylor Jenkins. What Snyder did tonight was what Jenkins did last game was they come out at halftime. Jenkins was feeding Jonas. Jonas was, like, not involved in the offense at all in the first half of game three. And they fed Jonas like the first four or five possessions. They got back into it. And then they come out of the halftime this time and Utah fed Gobert. And it's like, all right, well, we're hitting threes. We're getting what we want in the paint. You know, y'all got to stop one thing or the other. And they did a good job of 
keeping the Grizzlies honest on, you know, they couldn't necessarily focus on just shutting down the perimeter. They had to make sure that they could shut down Gobert as well. So that was a good job by Snyder coming out of halftime right there. Yeah. And I mean, how often are these are, are every role player for Utah going to hit the shots that they hit? Like some, you know, I get it. If one night, you know, O'Neal's on fire and then the other night Bogdanovich is on fire and the other night somebody else, but like, Clarkson was hitting, O'Neal was hitting, Bogdanovich was hitting, Conley was hitting, Mitchell was hitting. Like they're just they're just a good freaking team. Um, yeah, luckily and, Ingles isn't hitting because I mean that would be that'd be it. <laughs> like I I haven't noticed Ingles in this series. Like no, you know, and it doesn't seem like he's played a lot of minutes either because it just he hasn't been good. Niang was hitting too. I mean that's. <laughs> I get pissed when I see him hit a shot because I'm like, dude, you don't even look like a basketball player. Like, I know he's jog- he's jogging up and down the floor. He looks like you know the sharpshooter in the Y League that just he <laughs> he just stand he just plays in between the perimeters. Like he's he's playing he's playing between three point lines. That's all well, he's doing. Well, I bet that he can't guard Nate Chester e- either. You know. Oh, <laughs> uh, so one thing that I noticed and that I love. The Grizzlies don't give a crap who Rudy Gobert is. They are not afraid of him. No. They are constantly attacking him and attacking the rim. Um, it's just it hasn't worked out to where Valanciunas is getting those offensive rebounds and easy putbacks when they do that. Um, now, Kyle made an adjustment on his own tonight, and he went in with those pump fakes and got like three or four dimes to Valanciunas or Jaron Jackson. That was a nice adjustment because – Rudy is going to jump and try to block the shots as the help defender because that's what makes him so good as a defender. He's an excellent shot blocker on the on the weak side. Um, and so when you beat your man off the dribble and you go in, you know what he's going to look to do. He's looking to block your shot. So a pump fake and then a dump down to the big man is going to be an adjustment that I think we see again in, in game three from whoever um, is down there. But you, it just feels like if we could just get one – of those Jaron Jackson games where he hits five, six threes. The Grizzlies, you know, like maybe this is the game where Melton goes on a little binge where he's hot. And maybe this was a game where Jackson had something click and, you know, he's, he finds it next game. You know, Jaw's going to have the fire. He, he's going to be ready to go Wednesday night. Dylan is always going to have the fire. And that crowd, I think it's only going to amplify his fire. Um, yes. Yes. Kyle is going to be – Kyle and Jonas are going to be the steady vets that they are. And it's, it's just going to come down Wednesday night to can you defend the three-point line and can your bench give you something, just a little bit of something, and can Jaron give you something as well? Um, and can Dylan stay out of foul trouble? Like, the recipe – like, the Grizzlies, they can freaking beat this team. It's just – Yeah. It's just that the Jazz are so good, everything has to be clicking at once. You can't – you're not going to get away with scoring 80 points in the point paint, but shooting 20% from three and then giving up, you know, 50% on three on the other end. You, the Grizzlies are going to have to have everything go right on the road Wednesday to bring it back home to Memphis. And if they do bring it back home from Memphis, I may be trying to find my way back up there. Man, game would be Friday. I mean, it's weird to say that Ja was what four rebounds short of a triple double, and this may be his like worst game of the playoffs, worst game of the series. Yeah. And I mean, 
the Jazz did a good job of frustrating him at times because you could see he'd get into the lane and he wouldn't know what to do with the ball. He'd get stuck in midair, and that's something you teach in, you know, the lowest level of basketball is don't get caught in midair not knowing what you're going to do. And Ja got stuck in midair multiple times. One time I think he got called for a travel. Other few times he was able to get bailed out. But there were a few times also where he turned the ball over. And as you pointed out, he had a few bad turnovers there at the end of the end of the game. And he's learning. I get it. He's learning. This game is a lot faster than the lowest level of basketball that you, where you're taught that. But you know, it's it's he's he's going to be better. He's going to be better this next game. I mean, it's again four rebounds short of a triple double, and this is quote his worst game of the series. I mean, that's saying a lot. Yeah, and it the Grizzlies franchise is in such a unique position right now, as far as they are so early in their window. Like, no matter what happens here, you're not blowing anything up. You. It's right. going to sting a little bit, but the season's not a disappointment at that point. Um, you're you're heading into an off season where, fingers crossed, everybody's going to be healthy coming out of this series. Um, and you'll have a full off season, and you can, I mean, just get better. I mean, look at Desmond Bain in the minutes that he's getting in the playoffs, and what he's showing us that he can do with knocking down big time threes and and scoring off the dribble, which nobody, you know really talked about when we drafted him. It was all about his three-point shooting. Well, he's – the dude can, can score any way he wants just about. I didn't realize how fast he was until that first quarter where he was on the break and he just outran everybody with the ball. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Like, kind of looks like Russell – I mean, he kind of looked like Russell Westbrook going downhill on that, just like ran past everybody. Just He's a big dude, wide shoulders, kind of – Yeah. Got to, the, got to the basket. I was like, whoa, that's uh, – that's that that was fast. And you don't normally see that from him. No, you don't. Um you know, it, it'd be really easy to to be down and have the wrong perspective about you know them losing three straight, but when you when you zoom out and you look at everything, they are fifty-two and twenty for a reason. And right. They've they've got you know Mike Conley who's been there and done that. They've got an all star. They got two all stars, three all stars this year. Um, and they have just, a couple future all stars. You know Ja and Dylan. Oh my God! <laughs> we were having such a good podcast, and you had to go and, and say something dumb like that. Oh man! Uh, I had to throw that in there. Sorry. Go go on. Yes, Utah. Yes, go on. Oh man, no, it, it's it's going to suck when this eventually comes to an end because this this season's not ending in an NBA title, um, and you know this sting won't last long for us fans that are realistic because we see like this is just a building block for what's going to come and a, a massive building block at that. It's not it's not one of those where like towards the end of grit and grind, you're like, man, they didn't make it this year. I, I don't know if they got another run in them. Like, we know there are years of run ahead of us right now. And yeah. it's a good, good time to be a Grizzlies fan. The Grizzlies are not in a situation where they need to throw $94 million at Chandler Parsons in hopes of getting that getting that run. They're in a different position now, whereas yeah. they, they can wait uh, for the perfect time to 
throw all their money at if they want to choose to bring in somebody else. Cool. If, you know, if they just want to spend it on the guys they have now, I don't see that as the worst thing they do need. I think they need a little bit more, but they're not in a situation like with the Chandler Parsons. And that's the thing with like during games in the playoffs, like if I can't be at FedEx forum, I can't be at the grindhouse. I want to get on Twitter to see how it is. And you get the mixed bag of so many people are excited and keep perspective. And then you still have people that are nitpicking at this decision, that decision. It's just like, you know, I get it. You want to win every game, but realistically, did you think that the season was getting in a championship? Like, no, no, you didn't. A lot of people didn't even think it's going to end in a playoff game. And now I remember when we discussed, we were on with us on Sean Coleman's podcast. He asked us straight up true or false, over or under 50% chance that the Grizzlies uh, win a playoff game. And I said under, and I was wrong. They won the first one against Utah. I can, I have no problem admitting that. So, you know, that I, they've exceeded my expectations. Even halfway through the season, I didn't think they they were good enough to win a playoff game because I figured they'd be playing Utah or Phoenix or the Lakers or the Clippers. And all those are really good teams when they're at full strength. Yeah, and if, if anybody you ask is being really honest, then they, they've surpassed everybody's expectations. I mean – if, if your expectations were for them to make it to the second round, third round, you know, of the playoffs and, or win a title, then just share with me whatever you're smoking. I want to try it because <laughs> you're insane. There, there's no way. Um, no. Yeah, so uh, my prediction last week, uh, the 3-1 series was correct. I just had it at Memphis 3-1. <laughs> I was hoping to get 2-2. Two to two. I was like, man, if they win tonight, I'll – I look, I look really smart. I predicted, you know, two two. They win, you know, the bookends. Hey, I was ready to hype you up, man. Like <laughs> two two is like Ben's got it figured out. Unfortunately, you know, Mike Conley. And I, I told you before, I, I want Conley to win a title, but these dudes he's playing with makes it really tough for me to root for Utah uh, if they end up knocking the Grizzlies out of the playoffs. Yeah, like. Grayson did not foul Donovan Mitchell on that drive to the no. basket. Donovan just fell trying to do a Euro step and he's strutting around like he's some hot stuff. You're no, you're strutting because the, the refs have had your back all series. And that, that's it because you, you've been bailed out on some calls that we, you know, nobody else is getting on the other team. So strut all you want, but Dylan Brooks is about to be up in your grill for 30 plus minutes on Wednesday night. You better be ready for it. And everybody saw Rudy Gobert throw a temper tantrum when he got the foul call. <laughs> got it. <laughs> I mean, this series, Rudy Gobert has flopped after fouling out <laughs> and threw a temper tantrum. When he got the foul after call. After getting the foul call. So everybody's seeing this. Everybody's seeing his true. I mean, the thing is, is like he could do this during the regular season and not many people paying attention unless you're, you're, you are on Twitter, you're super into NBA and everything like that. Everybody's watching the playoffs now. Like if you're an NBA fan, you're watching the playoffs. Just whatever game's on TV you're watching, everybody's seeing Rudy Gobert do this. So if you're a fan of one of the other six teams in the Western Conference, which the other three series are tied 2-2, and you're sitting here and you're watching the number one jazz in the – the number eight Grizzlies and the way that this series is going. Are you gaining confidence that when you face Utah, you like your chances? 
the West is wide open. I mean, there's no doubt about no doubt about it. It's wide open. I mean, obviously, if the Grizzlies somehow come back and win three straight, all eight teams can. You know, it's it's open for all eight teams. Anthony Davis's injury that's huge. I mean, that that is huge. I I, I didn't think that the Lakers were going to necessarily have it easy against Phoenix. I thought that the honestly, I thought the series would go seven games no matter what. But Chris Paul got injured early in the uh, game one, and then I was like, ah, that's going to be tough for Phoenix. And then now it's Anthony Davis. She was on the other foot. It's the Lakers. We'll see how they respond with uh, with that injury. But, yeah, this uh, this Western Conference is wild, man. Uh, Clippers in Dallas, neither team winning at home. That's nuts, man. And Luka's got an injury. Yeah. And then Portland and Denver – that's just a fun series. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so the West is definitely it. wide open. Um, I, and I think people are I don't I don't think people were really afraid of Utah or Phoenix as the one and two seeds. Like they yeah, they were they had great seasons, but they, they don't put that fear in you as as even the Lakers do as a seventh seed or the, the Clippers as a four seed, just because they've got those guys that have been yeah. there and they've done it. Um, they know what it takes, and the Jazz, you know, they got Donovan Mitchell, who, who's that guy. But it just seems like, unless it's Popovich, these teams that are um, system oriented and don't have the guy that can just go get you a bucket seem to uh, struggle because Booker has struggled to just go get a bucket in that Lakers series. Um, you know, if they make it out of there. Can they get past Denver or Portland? I don't. I'm not sure Phoenix is going to get past either one of those teams, um, because Phoenix, despite Chris Paul, is really, really young too. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, Grizzlies, Jazz, Wednesday night be a late one, I'm sure, because it's on the West Coast. Um, Eight thirty tip. So thank goodness we don't have to do that podcast. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, anything you want to throw on there before we hop off right around midnight? No, nah, man. Honestly, yeah. Well, what? When would Game Seven be? Would Game Seven be Sunday? If they, if they don't give them two days of rest, then, then yeah, I bet they have it on there. I probably it probably is Sunday because they probably just made it to where Game Sevens are Sunday. Because I would, but I don't know. Hopefully, we're talking about more basketball yeah, this time it, next week. It'd be Sunday. Hopefully, we're talking about Grizzlies playing more basketball this time next week. I don't see that happening. I think their season comes to an end Wednesday. Yeah, I but think – man, it's been fun. <laughs> I, I could see Memphis just some pure energy going and maybe getting Wednesday, um, which gives them a shot to take it um, on Friday for game six. So like, I think I think making it to Game Seven right now is the best case scenario. I, I don't see them <laughs> winning a Game Seven on the road, not this young. No. Uh, I think next Monday we may be uh, chatting with Eric Hasseltine on a on a season recap if he's not heading straight to vacation afterwards. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if they're out in Utah, he may just uh, stay out on the West Coast. He he very well may do that. Um, but yeah, if you ain't got nothing else, um, it's, it's midnight and, uh, we're, we're two old men with, with little babies that need some rest. Yep. Yep, man. Uh, glad we're able to get on after this. I wish we were talking about a win, but you know, it's, it's 
the Grizzlies haven't gotten blown out at all. And they've, they've, you know, everybody's getting, they're gaining respect around the league. And it's fun to watch a young team grow up, especially in playoff action. And it's nice to get that taste of the playoffs first time in four years. So it, it's fun. And I, I have no, no complaints about it whatsoever. So I'm glad you uh, made me stay up late to do this podcast because <laughs> it was, it was game four was fun despite the result. Yeah. So we, we, when we came in town, uh, this past weekend and take my boy to the zoo, we stayed with our wedding photographers and they, they showed us some like blooper reel clips of our wedding video. And my wife looked at me and she said, I've really aged you in, in two years. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you have. I was like, but in my mind, I'm like, these Memphis Grizzlies aren't doing me any favors either. Oh no, man. It's uh, <laughs> they should know how to, whether it's grit and grind or this, uh, this generation of uh, Grizzlies, nothing's easy. Nothing's <laughs> They're going to make you sweat. Nothing's easy. Well, this has been a uh, another episode of the 3 and D podcast. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at 3 and D pod. Make sure you check out Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies or grizzlybearblues.com. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. You can find Ben at not the golfer. He does have that sacred check mark next to his name mr <laughs> um check out our other podcasts the starting five the core four and gbb live which i guess core four will probably have a game five preview for you and gbb live will have that game five wrap up um hopefully not an off-season preview show for gbb live hopefully we're still rolling uh, well into the weekend but until next time we'll see you guys